Hey there, April Meese here. As you know, 2020 has been a tough year for a lot of beauty service professionals, and it could get even more challenging in the future. But it doesn't have to be that way if your business is positioned to stand out to the right clients. The thing is, you don't have time to waste trying to figure this all out on your own. Well, What if there was a simple step-by-step system that I could walk you through that would save you months of frustration from feeling invisible and show you how to grow your beauty business with consistent client flow by only focusing on three essential proven actions? Well, good news. In my brand new workshop, I'll be revealing leveraged marketing strategies to help you get more clients and grow your beauty business without spinning your wheels on a bunch of tactics. So We are hosting a free live three-day workshop called Get Seen to Get Clients, and I'll uncover the number one strategy to attract premium clients and bring in five to 10 new clients or more each month. You'll discover my amplified method for getting visibility and conveying your value, how to build a strong reputation as a go-to professional and convert prospective clients into buyers. So much more so you don't want to miss it. Go to aprilmeese.com forward slash get clients or check the show notes for the link so you can register. This is a limited time workshop, so I don't want you to miss it. I cannot wait to help you grow a wildly profitable beauty service business with less stress. See you soon. Hello, hello, everyone. You can see we have a special guest again. So it's so exciting. We're doing this interview series. We're talking to beauty bosses that have hit that, what that we put on the pedestal, maybe that six-figure mark or have a super successful business. And we're learning from them and we're being inspired by them, but we're also seeing that they go through challenges. I'm going to read Valerie Weber's bio here and give you a little introduction to her and then we'll dive into her story. But let me first introduce myself. My name is April Meese and I am a permanent makeup and microblading professional as well as a marketing strategist that helps beauty professionals like yourself increase your income and impact. And we do that through the Elevate program. And exciting announcement, the Elevate program will be opening in October. So that's an online marketing course to help you stand out as a go-to professional. So Exciting stuff. And I also have another exciting announcement at the end of this about a free workshop that's coming up that you don't want to miss. But before we get into that, I want to let me grab full Valerie's bio here. I've known Valerie for a long time through the SPCP, the Society of Permanent Cosmetic Professionals, and she is the founding owner of Dermographic. And she started permanent makeup in 2001. She started her tattoo journey then. And of course, dedication and practice, she continued to hone her skills and she now leads a team of professionals. So it's not just her, she also has a team that she leads, which is super exciting. And we'll talk about that as well. And ultimately, she wanted to train and mentor others and her most popular bifusion eyebrows and whiplash eyeliner techniques are have been popular for years. And some other accolades that she's had is she's on Team Micro. She's a Team Micro certified. So she also does scalp micropigmentation. She is an SPCP lifetime trainer member. She's also a board member of the Society of Permanent Cosmetic Professionals and a certified permanent cosmetic professionals. That's a mouthful. And she's also the (laughs) podcast host and founder of Incredible. I think we covered a lot of things there, but welcome, (laughs) Valerie. Hey. Thank you. (laughs) Is there anything else that you want to add that I left out? I do a lot of things. Let's just put it that way. I'm I'm involved in a lot of things. I do a lot of things. I like to be busy and I like to be involved. So, well, you know, there's many, many things. But yes, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to talk with you today to your audience. And, you know, anything that's, you know, revolves around permanent cosmetics, I am really into. So there isn't a topic that I wouldn't enjoy talking about. So, Yay, so, so good. So, so good. So we're just going to dive Sweet. right in, Valerie. So you started, you know, 2001. Mm-hmm. That was really, you've seen so many trends. You kind of started when the information and the internet wasn't readily available. So you want to tell us about that journey of how you got started? And yeah, actually I've talked about that to, you know, here and there. And one of the coolest things that at the time when I started, it was what you did. You made you know, business cards, you made personal connections with businesses, you tried to get linked up with doctors. You know, there was so many different ways that you had to get people to know who you are and what you did. And I know my mission back then was, okay, let people know who I am and what I do. But 
you know, some of these places had permanent makeup artists and I was feeling pretty good about the work I was putting out even back then. So I just thought, let me just stop by and drop a portfolio off. Do you guys remember scrapbooking? That's what my portfolio was. I had like a scrapbook. I spent time on the weekends, like printing out my photos. I had a photo printer. I think I dropped like 300 or $350 on like a really cool photo printer. I, I bought like photo paper and I printed out my before and after images. And I thought it was so cool because I had like the coolest, like the latest digital camera. And anyway, so I was cutting out articles and creating sections. Like I was scrapbooking like a hardcore mom that was like, scrapbooking for her kids and <laughs> these kids have it easy these days all they do is just no. get on the internet we were scrapbooking it was funny because years later when digital photo books came out and I think I went to an SPCB or one of these conferences I went to and some of one of the speakers was like talking about how they had their they went on such and such and they were printing out their pictures of photo books and I was like oh my god that must be so expensive how are they doing that I wish I knew how to do that and I remember going back to like well I'm gonna have some crazy more scrapbooks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I made a few, you know, I dropped them off, but you know, I, I did all kinds of stuff. You know, I didn't, I didn't even, I couldn't even afford to have a computer back then for my yeah. business. I made all my promotional materials, which is a terrible idea, by the way, but that's what I did. I made my business cards, you know, right. you do what you have to, when you're starting out, the areas that a lot of good businesses spend money are in marketing and advertising. And now looking back, I would never advise or encourage anybody to do your own marketing and advertising unless you have some skill. I had zero skill in that. And you do what you can with the money that you have. Yeah. Well, you got to get resourceful and yeah. you were scrappy and Hey, you made it work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. You, if you don't have the resources, if you don't have a lot of time and money, you get resourceful and, and look, Hey, it served you well. Yeah. But the one thing that I never did though, was I never compromised laws and safety. And I'm only bringing that up only because it it wasn't lost on me that the idea of what I did held great responsibility for somebody's health and well-being and that I was working on somebody's face and the nature of what I did was very serious. So I saved money in other areas rather than practice out of my house or have tattoo parties or, you know, did things where I bought inferior products because they were cheaper. There were areas that I skimped on and those were the things that I felt I didn't have the money for at the time, but the money that I did have went where it needed to go. And I, I just wanted to make sure that kind of highlighted that because yeah. I see it today still and it's a concern. Right. Yeah. One thing that I teach my team here at my business, Demographics, I know it's a digital world. We take online bookings. We have Facebook Messenger connected. We've got Instagram DMs. We've got Twitter. We've got YouTube people messaging. And there's all kinds of stuff that we get. And there's it comes from all these different channels and ways of communication. But there's no bond with your client if you can't relate to them and talk with them. I've seen artists that say things, and I'm not saying this is bad, but from my personal perspective, from my experience, the one thing that I'm fortunate for is to be part of the generation where live consultations was all we had and personal connections is all we had to gain that client. Even a referral is kind of an indirect personal connection. So I value that. And as much as we bring on modernized technology to our business for convenience, for the people that want that, people that are just like ready to go, that's cool. But maintaining relationships with people is really what's going to keep you having those long-term return clients and referrals roll in. Otherwise, you're just a digital person to them. There's no loyalty in that. Yeah. And I think relationships, I think definitely, especially with, you know, media and the news and not feeling like we can trust anything, you know, or or false advertising, things like that. We're returning to that, you know, relationships and connections. And I think that's just going to be stronger more than ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really great to be able to do personal follow-ups more so now because I've seen people that put on their websites and stuff like they don't do consultations and they only take online bookings. And um, again, I'm not saying this is bad, but basically I had somebody, you know, I'm reading posts that say like booked till 2021 and booked till 2022. And listen, if you need to say that to feed your own ego and you want, I know that sounds really harsh. I know that sounds mean. You can say I'm mean, that's okay. But 
basically you have to look at it from the client's perspective and any marketing person would tell you that basically what you're telling your client is I'm too busy to see you. Don't even bother right. calling. Like, don't yeah. even bother. Yeah. Yeah. Don't bother. And they already know. So maybe some of those people, if you're doing really great and that's awesome for you and there's nothing wrong with being booked, there's nothing wrong with directing people to your certain inboxes where you prefer to be communicated with because you're so busy, but maybe it's time that you consider bringing on a team. I know that that's hard because nobody does it like you. I know this firsthand, but (laughs) it's a necessary evolution when you have a business. And if you don't want to, then maybe stop taking clients for a period of time or put them on a wait list. But I don't really know many people that are willing to wait a year and a half to get eyebrows. No. Well, and the thing is, you can also, there's other strategies too. You can raise your prices, right? You know, this is the other thing about that. You can start to, if your time is in demand, you can start to charge more. And here's the thing. I think one of the things, first of all, I agree with you because I've always said it is not good. It feels secure to be booked out months and months in advance. But clients, you're, you're actually losing clients because clients don't want to wait. So if you're in that demand, if you have that consistently, then it is time to raise your prices because, I mean, also look at COVID. All those people that were booked out, the nightmare of having to reschedule all of those people and then, yeah. you know. I don't, if I can interrupt for a moment, April, yeah. I don't know that it is security though because, I mean, what are you going to do? Let's just say you have... Uh, I was going to say 500 appointments. So let's just say over the course of a year, you got 365 days. Let's say you work 300 of those days and you book three clients a day. So we're looking at roughly 900 clients. And let's just say you charge an average of $100 per appointment that you have booked. So that's $9,000 that you have sitting, I hope, in an account somewhere. If for some reason you have clients that decide they don't want to wait for you or COVID happens and there's a shutdown or there's any catastrophic event, is it your policy that while you take a non-refundable deposit to put them on, do you then keep that $100? Should they change their mind? I think prior to COVID, maybe that might have made sense. After COVID, I don't know that that is good to be booked out a year, a year and a half, because I think not only for the artist, but for the client, this uncertainty of you look at California. I mean, you're there. So we're still, I mean, close. look at the UK, look at all these places. So I don't know. I just, I personally think, you know, I know tattoo artists will block out their schedules like three, even four months or even six months at a time where they take appointments and anything past then you go on a wait list. And once they start opening up the next portion of their calendar, like once we start working a little towards the one part, we can start opening up the next portion of our calendar. And I got to tell you, that's great. But if you're that good, or maybe your prices are just really good in keeping you booked up, or maybe you only take one client a day and you're booked up. But either way, no matter how you say you're booked up, when, what's going to happen when you start training classes or when you start speaking at conferences, but you can't because you're so booked up. This is why, like I do this because I'm a trainer and I speak at conferences too. I can't schedule a vacation. I can't schedule speaking at conferences. If somebody calls me four months in advance and they need a speaker, I need to be available if I want to from, you know, for my own personal brand. So just think of the future. What are you trying to do as an artist, I guess, is my advice. And think about the bigger things that might come up. And, you know, while it's cool to take deposits and get booked, maybe doing that at a chunk at a time for your appointments, you know, if I could lend a suggestion. Yeah, I think it's like, well, when I say it feels secure, it's kind of a, nothing is ever like it's, a, we always felt like oh, yeah. it's all an illusion. You know, you could, unfortunately, we could drive somewhere and get in a car wreck and die. Like it's all an illusion of what security really is. Right. But, sure. But yeah. So yeah, I love that we're really speaking to this whole idea of you have to think outside of the box really when you're running your business and also, you know, things that were normal in the past, right? Like that was the norm in the past and that's the way it used to be. That's not the way it is anymore. I mean, sometimes people aren't as loyal and you might start to lose people if they're, you know, waiting. So you have to make changes. And I love that you spoke to, you have a team. So I'm just going to take a little turn here and dive into that. Can you speak to the pros and cons or the challenges of having a team and how did that start for you? I will say kind of in between the team thing and where we just ended to, I'm going to start off by saying over this many years, there's been a lot of learning. I will say my business goes through changes very frequently, but hiring a team is 
definitely something that is beneficial. It can be very beneficial, but it can also add on a lot of headaches and it can certainly be uh, very challenging to maintain. I will say this. When I was tattooing by myself in my own little studio, life was easier. It was. It was easier. The challenges that come when you hire a team is you need to first figure out what your goal is as a business. Like, where are you trying to go? It's not just some aimless goal. Like for me, having a team is here because one, my business is a brand. So I don't want to be the only person that's on the pedestal. Like when people come to Dermographics, they're coming to see me and my professional team. It's not like, oh, I want to come see Valerie, but if you want a cheaper price, you can go to the shoddy person that, you know, doesn't do such a great job. We don't do that here. (laughs) So here we have qualifications for our team. Like you have to, you have to be practicing at a certain caliber. You have to abide by certain guidelines and structures that we have in place. And, you know, a lot of other permanent makeup places aren't like that. And that's okay. The structure that we have here is unique to us and it doesn't work for everyone. That's something that I know and I'm willing to adapt to the needs of the people that work for me. Like, for example, uh, we give paid time off and paid time off is great. A lot of people value that, but there's other people that are like, listen, I would rather have training perks. You know, I mean, there's different things that you can do for different people. So whatever it is, though, it has to be fair. So, you know, you have to kind of create like a structure for your staff and find out what makes them tick. You know, there's some people that really enjoy recognition and they like to have, you know, they like to be seen by the, your audience, like my business has an audience, right? And we're sponsored and we have a training school and we got all this other stuff. So we get a lot of recognition for a lot of things besides my artwork in particular. And some people want to be part of that. So are there other things that we could do to allow them to partake in that? So that's one thing is trying to figure out your structure and making it fair and then putting it in writing so that you have like an employee guide because it just keeps things very clear. And I will tell you, like I've updated my employee guide probably three times since its inception, which we didn't actually start it until 2017. We started hiring additional permanent makeup artists back in 2012, but it was, you know, they came in by appointment and it wasn't what it is today. Yeah. So crazy. And so how do you feel like you've evolved? Because you know, you went from being, you really only had to worry about doing your work. Now, like a mom, you got to, you know, you have all, not that they're children, mm, but you don't need definitely to Definitely mom. To, <laughs> I mean, you have all these different personalities and like you just described like wants and yeah. needs and emotions. So I don't want to deter anybody from ever getting a group or growing. I just think you mentally need to be prepared for what that means. So when I was doing my own thing, I could worry about myself, my schedule, my products that I needed to order. I could worry about just my clients. And let's just say I had clients calling saying that they were unhappy or they had concerns. I only had to not sleep at night for those people. Yes. All right. We've all been to the point where we couldn't sleep at night, right? And it was always like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. She's not happy. She's giving me anxiety, right? You only had to deal with those people. Yeah, absolutely. Multiply that for every single person that you hire. Yes. So now when another artist has a problem with their client, I'm dealing with the artist and I'm dealing with their client. And then there's also issues with staff sometimes or schedules and juggling vacation. And there's all kinds of things that you would find in any normal workplace. But all of those things are just more and more and more responsibility weight, you know, making sure everybody's up to date on their BBP certificates. Like, oh, next month you got to make sure, you know, and then we got to pay for it. So it's like, we got to make sure we schedule it. We got to make sure it gets done. You know, it's constantly monitoring people, making sure that what's happening during work hours is work related. And, you know, it's protecting intellectual property and making sure like images and training materials and supplies and all those kind of things. It's, it's constant. And on top of all of that, you're doing all your business day-to-day stuff. You're running your payroll. You're you know, dealing with your web developer. You're just, and then on top of that, you're still servicing your clients. So it's been... I'm exhausted just listening to it. <laughs> so, and, and then I've got a podcast and I'm also doing, you know, I'm also developing a... I'm actually launching it today, April. I'll tell you in a little bit, but there's a huge project I've been working on. So there's, there's so many different 
things that come into play. And it's important when bankers tell you to have a business plan, when you go to apply to open a business, it's no joke when you, no matter what change you have in your business, depending on the size of this change or decision or whatever it is, it takes a great deal of planning and thought. Like right now, we're in the middle of changing how we take our payments online. We've run into a little glitch that we didn't expect. I call these fires. Yeah. Because <laughs> randomly throughout the week, there'll be like a random fire that pops up that we have to put out and it's important. Yes. Everything yes. else is important, but this yes. is also just became important. And, Absolutely. And, here's, and what people don't understand is you might have a student that calls and needs help, or you might have a client that calls and she doesn't understand why you can't call her back today before five. Well, because a million other things have popped up and the amount of demand that anyone has on you being the owner, it becomes an overwhelming task. So to answer your original question, which I didn't forget, what was that transition like? It happened slowly, but it's kind of like one of those things once you're neck deep, you're like, oh crap, right? And you realize that you can't pass on some of these responsibilities to someone else. They're yours. Right. And you, to preserve your own sanity, your own time, which is precious. Your time is very precious and so is your energy. There's going to be some tough calls you have to make and just some things that, you know what, sometimes there's tough calls I make and I don't really care what the other person thinks sometimes, whether it's a you know demanding client or if there's something going on with a staff member. You know, at the end of the day, it's my dream and it's my business. And these are things that I laid out on the table and you always, and you guys see it all the time with clients. You always get that one person that's trying to like, well, can I just do this? And can't you just come in on a Sunday? And can't you just stay later? And can't you, can't you just are the three words I freaking hate. (laughs) I hate those words. Yeah. Because the other words I want to say is if you only knew, (laughs) if you only knew, then you'd understand why I can't just. So, oh my gosh. so and good. fairness, <laughs> fairness yeah. is important. Fairness to your clients, fairness to your staff, fairness to yourself. So balancing fairness is a very difficult part. So just like getting a business loan, having that business structure, no matter what plan you create, you have to foresee the future and you sort of have to connect the dots. Like if we make this decision, what will this look like down the road? Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, you might be in your business, you might be starting out or you might be just by yourself and thinking like, oh, I'm really wanting to hire a team. And this is one of those things to kind of peel back the curtain and say, yeah, it can be great, but there's so much more to it that you need to know. I always think of it like having that business with all the employees is almost like when the bride is only thinking about the wedding and not thinking about the marriage after. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. Boy, what a great analogy. (laughs) Right? Because afterwards, this is when you really have to live with it, right? So it's it's great to dream, but really, you know, what does it entail? I also loved that you spoke to that ultimately this is your dream, right? So you are like, you know, Brene Brown says, you're the one in the arena, you're the one fighting the fight. And so it doesn't matter what the people in the cheap sheets, the cheap (laughs) seats say, right? It's like, they're not the ones that are there sticking their neck out. So yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the business owner's liability at the end of the day. So a couple of things I had to learn is, you know, I had to redefine some things just to make sure that, you know, my staff was, when is it appropriate to act on behalf of the business? And when is it not? Because a lot of times people think that they're helping. And I do believe that is the intention is that sometimes staff want to step up and they want to help, especially when you're as busy as I am. So, uh, but the, the trouble then becomes they don't understand the back end, the other things that go into it. I'll give you an example. If let's just say, I don't know how other people run their business, but I'm really big on no refunds. We just don't do it because I know the liability that it holds. The moment that you give somebody a refund, it needs to have a legal document that is attached to it that basically protects the interests of the business and keeps you from further litigation. I don't know if, at least in my state and in many states, this is the way. And you can't just make up a simple agreement. You know, because the way things are worded, did you know that there's legal stipulations on the size of the wording also in your documents? Like you're not allowed to have it below a certain size or something. This is what I've been told, at least by my attorney, just because it has to be legible. If you can't have like ultra fine print stuff, there's so many different things that are just not my scope of knowledge. I don't know. So it costs us $125 
And I have a great business attorney who doesn't rape us in price. But anytime we were to do some kind of refund, we pay them $125 to draft up a release form where it basically, you know, states the issue, how much we're refunding, what they're entitled to, what they're not entitled to. And in addition to that, it protects our reputation as well because there's other stipulations attached. Regardless, let's just say your client paid a $100, I'm going to say $500, includes their deposit and their procedure. They've paid it. They've come in. You've spent time with the consult. You've done the first procedure. And I'm out of pocket because I've already paid my staff member for their consultation, my front desk for all their admin work of processing this person and all this other stuff. And we've also paid out to the artist at this point for their time and service. And now this client wants a refund. Well, we know that it might be easier to refund her. So let's just say we want to refund her the 500. Even if I took it out of the employee's pay and said, listen, she's not happy we to refund her. You're going to have to, if, even if we did that, it doesn't matter. Whatever the cost is, add $125 for my release form. So I'm actually out of pocket more going into doing a refund just because I want an actual legal document that protects us. I know some people that'll write their own and that's, I'm not going to comment on that. I just don't because I know what that actually means in in terms of a court of law. So I just, you know, there's little things like that. And I, you know, I had a staff member that acted for us and didn't know that we pay that on the back end and, and just thought that, you know, so there's times when it's appropriate and there's times that it's not appropriate. So, you know, there's little things like that when you run your business that, you know, just become you know, again, that weight, that extra financial burden. And yet some people think that the business owner makes more money than the staff member. And I personally pay myself a salary. I won't say, you know, it's a salary so that I can make sure that, you know, I bring in the majority of the business, but I still pay myself a salary. So that way it keeps things consistent for my business. Yeah. I love that. Now pivot to maybe a challenging time, maybe when you were first starting your business, or it even could be something recent, like something that you have overcome. Because I feel like with social media, you know, we always see here you have this successful business and you're speaking and the podcast and all of this stuff, but you know, we're seeing your highlight reel and everybody has to come from somewhere, right? And so what was something that you had to overcome or a time where you were doubting mm-hmm. yourself and feeling like, I don't know if I can keep going? I could have been just this morning. (laughs) I don't want to say that I'm immune to that thought, but I don't think that's how I think. I don't tend to think like, oh, I don't know if I can keep going. I'm sorry. It's just not, that's a foreign thought for me. I just, um, I think my thoughts more like you're going to keep going. You better figure this out. You're going to make this happen and you better figure it out soon. And I start, it's like, I feel like in my head, if you can picture a pyramid, like I feel like in my head, what happens is I have all these tasks at the bottom would be my least prioritized task. And at the top is things that I know I need to get to. And then obviously there's everything in between. And I think when problems arise, everything automatically just shifts its way down and a new priority becomes at the top of my pyramid. And this is a daily thing. It's actually gotten to the point where it's so automatic that it's not even a question anymore. Um, Like I'll have a conversation with somebody and it seems really important at the moment. And 10 minutes later, something else pops up. That thought gets deprioritized automatically and the new thought comes into play. And then it's almost like I'll follow up that person a week later and they're like, oh, hey, so that important thing we were talking about, I'm like, yep, nope, sorry. It was it's down here now. It's not out of ignorance. It's more out of just day-to-day priorities. I think by doing that has saved me from giving up. It's fight or flight. And I think my most relatable time that I had to deal with that was back when I first started my business. It wasn't about my business. It was about my divorce that I was going through. And I've spoken about this before, but I moved away from Florida where all my family was. I grew up here in Pennsylvania, but they all moved to Florida and I hated that place. And I was like, listen, mom, peace out. I'm going back to PA with or without you. See, I need to do my thing. And then, you know, I had already gotten married in Florida. So when I came up here, I knew things weren't good, but I thought, eh, maybe a fresh pace. So things weren't so good. I knew it. I tried to stick it out for a couple of years. Long story short. I ended up getting a divorce. My family was not anywhere near me. My son was five. There was no full day kindergarten up here. So that meant I had to pay a private school 
to have him go to kindergarten so I could work all day. And that was really challenging because I wasn't getting child support. I didn't have my family to come and watch my son. I didn't have any clients and I was integrous. When I worked for a plastic surgeon at the time, I told him when I was getting hired, I said, listen, I want to be an independent contractor because I plan on opening my own business at some point. A year and a half later is when I was opening my business. And at the same time, I was going through a divorce. So I didn't really have any clients. So now I had a, a place that I needed to pay rent for. I had to go get my own apartment. And I had to pay to put my five-year-old son. It was so traumatic that I, still today, it makes me get choked up. And it's not that. It's just, it was everything. It was so mentally challenging that, believe it or not, every time I have this talk, and I never mean to go there, but it, it does that. Once I got my own place, I had to build my own client. And I promised the doctor I would never take clients from him or anything because that that would be not cool. You know, it's not right. Yeah. This is what I love (laughs) about you is this, this is the real raw open, like you have. Oh yeah, it's me. (laughs) I mean, you've gone through it, right? Like this is the yin and yang of you, right? Like you're like driven, I'm going for it and you've done so much. And there's also that everybody has that soft side of those moments that just feel like it's going to break you, but you push through yeah. it. And this is why you're just, yeah, you so, gotta do it. Yeah. This is why. And, and definitely like the motivation of a little one, you know, there's nothing like that. Oh yeah. It was fight or flight. It was literally like, I had to, I wasn't getting child support. I was supposed to, but if things were already not good that I didn't want to be like, I wasn't trying to be mean. I remember going to the mediator court, you know, at the prothonotary where they, you know, set up the child support and yada, yada. It took like eight months for us to get there from the time of separation. And I remember them saying to him, I actually felt bad. I remember them saying to him, they're like, okay, so to date you owe 4,700 and something dollars that you need to be prepared to give to her today. Meaning that's all the months of child support that he owed up until that point. Even I was taken back and I knew he didn't have that money set aside yet funny. I felt bad for him, not myself. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, just clean the slate. Let's just start fresh from today. Just, and they're like, really, you don't want to collect that or put it in arrears. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Just start fresh from today. What I learned was I couldn't depend on him. I wasn't going to ask my family. My father was diagnosed with lung cancer and was given a short time to live at that time. Also, it was a lot going on. And, you know, I was getting him ready in the morning by myself, the whole single mom thing, you know, packing the lunches and taking him to the bus and then having to hurry up and get to work on time and hoping that I finished my last client in time so that I could pick him up because they charge you like $15 for every minute you're late and all that kind of stuff was happening. And I still did it on my own without having to take one client from somewhere that wasn't mine. And the days that I didn't have clients, I printed out those brochures I told you about. I had to rent the computer at the UPS store because I didn't own one. So I had to sit there for hours and design my stuff and do all those are the things that I had to do. But that is the fight or flight. And I think that's just been instilled in me that relying on others was difficult. Unfortunately, I do still have a little bit of an issue with trust for people. And mainly because I still experience that today. I will say in happy news, when I met my husband, Ian, we've been together 15 years, I never punished him for the things that my ex-husband did. So like I was able to still be all giving of my heart. But I will say when it comes to business stuff, I don't play around. People know don't mess with me when it comes to my business because I won't lay down and I won't go down quietly. And if you did something to slight me or my business, and the reason I'm so protective of it is because you have no freaking clue what it took me to get where I am today with all the shit that I had to scrape up, excuse my French, but all the stuff that I had to deal with and the fighting that I had to get to to get where I am. So yeah, I am a little bit proud of it. And you know what? I won't let anybody try to take anything from me. So that's where I stand with that. Woo! I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fire. I'm like, I'm- I don't, you know, I don't like to leave a bad taste either. You know, no. the one thing I'll say is, you know, like three or four years ago, you know, it's always good to leave things on the positive, right? Yeah. So I don't have any resentment there. I will say that because of that, it helped me to become a lot stronger and independent. So that's good. The other thing I'll say is it took him a really long time, but he became a responsible person. And he's very sorry because he does know what he's lost and he knows the impact now, but he didn't understand the impact then. And in all fairness, he came from a family that really didn't provide him with the skills and tools to be able to be 
the person he needed to be. So let that be a lesson to all of us. We need to be really good parents. That's one. And two, whatever you reap, you sow. I'm sorry, but you know, the hard work that I put into my business way back when is the reason. It's not because I do good eyebrows or good scalp micropigmentation. That's not even the reason. The reason is because the passion, like you said, the fire, it was the determination. If you're determined and if you practice with integrity, you don't need to cheat. I had not one client that belonged to me, none. And I was still paying rent on a new place and brand new establishment. And I had to do everything from scratch. So listen, if I could do it, you can do it. And shit, we didn't have the internet back then. And you know, all that other kind of stuff to help me. Like there was no such guys. I paid for advertisements in the phone book. Okay. Talk about throwbacks. Yeah. What a waste of money. Wait, like the only time in the, in the what? I don't even know. What is a phone book? No, I'm just saying. I know. Right. (laughs) Oh, the yellow pages. Oh my God. Yeah. And they, they, man, they took, it was almost the same cost of like a front page magazine. Like if you wanted a half page ad in the phone book, first of all, in hindsight, think how stupid that is. Like people legit used the phone book back then. Yes. But almost like people use Facebook now. But back then using the phone book was like somebody had to land on that page to see you. I mean, think about that. It's like doing an ad in a magazine these days. Like, you know, the only people that are going to actually know about you is if they actually physically see your ad. I can't target my audience with the phone book. I mean, I could target the county that I wanted to be advertised in, but that's about it. And things were so much different. So guess what I did? When I didn't have clients, I dressed really professionally. I gathered up my scrapbooks. And my business cards that were perforated that I printed at the UPS store and my little trifold brochures, those ones were more expensive because they were double-sided four by four color, y'all. And I was (laughs) folding them myself and making sure everything looked really good. And I would call ahead and I would tell them that I'd like to stop down and show them my portfolio. And if they liked my work, they could start referring people and then I'd leave them my precious business cards and stuff. So that's what I did on my days off. I would just go to places, I'd hang out, I'd get chummy with the owners or whoever. That's what I did. I didn't have to offer free services or discounted services. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. I just got people to trust me, like me, find me professional, see that my work was good and that I took the time to come out to them and I made personal connections. Do you know, 18 years later, Do you know some of those same people still refer to me? Yes. And I don't even send them business cards now. So good. Guys, I just have to put a pin in that because... First of all, there's just so many gems in this. If you're, hopefully you're picking up what she's putting down, you're digging what she's dishing. There's so much goodness here. It's, there's, if you're, if there was any to-do list this week that you were just like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. Scratch that. You have no excuses. If you just heard what Valerie just told you right there. Yes. You have no excuses now. You got to get, got to get on it. Yeah. You know, it was almost like, you know, it it was either my son was, you know, either I was going to pay my rent that week or we were going to have to find a different place to live, you know? So it was kind of, you know, you just, you do it. You grin and you bear it. As my mother would say, you will find the time you'll make your priorities you know, if you counted up how many hours you're on social media and you, you know, there's actually a tracker on your Instagram and your Facebook on the back end, you can actually find your average time that you spend on there. I bet you'd all be surprised. I bet you think you're on there 45 minutes and I guarantee you it's more like three hours. And if you take that time and you devoted it somewhere else, think of it as an investment, anything that you do. And I'm very business minded in this way. Anything I do is an investment, whether it's time, money, time again, like it doesn't yes. matter what it is. It's an investment. And I, I would say the same. Let me just say this for those of you who are thinking about growing your staff as well. One of the things that the you know, staff members, you know, they're supposed to train. And I had to learn this again through time, but there were things that people wanted to go learn. I'm just excited for people when they want to go do something that makes them better. But then I had to realize that if what you're going to go learn isn't something that necessarily benefits the business at all, but it could be something that we're paying for. I know that's kind of sounds like a fundamental thought, but it's really not because I'm going to say like permanent makeup artist on my team and we have a scar specialist here as well. And let's just say you want to go learn scars. It's not that you learning scars as an employee of mine is bad. It's, do I need another scar specialist? 
no, I hired you for XYZ and now you want to grow and learn something else. It's not bad to grow. It's not bad that you offer those things, but that's not the need right now. So maybe for a future plan, you know, that could be set up, but it's little things like that, that I think, um, you know, but anyway, I'm tailspinning. You are preaching when you say, watch your time. Your time is your investment. Yeah. I totally, listen, I, that's my, everything's an investment. Right Everything is yes. an investment. Yeah. I'm going to say again, everything, everything that you do is an investment, either a positive or a negative one. If you spend too much time fretting over something that is not benefiting your business, it's a negative investment. If you spend too much time on the phone with a client that just keeps going over the same stuff. Sally, I'm sorry, I have another client actually that just walked in. Can you email me your questions? Just hang that shit up and move on. Don't let people take you off the path. It's so easy to do. Everything is an investment. Absolutely everything. You are speaking my love language right there. (laughs) I dig it. So, so good. Okay. Well, I mean, I was going to ask for words of inspiration, but I feel like this whole thing has been just words of inspiration. (laughs) Tears of inspiration. I think you got like five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? They said, what an inspiration. Um, Thank you for being real. So yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, people need to see it. I think this is like the, this is how it is, right? This is- yeah. the behind the scenes, the real life. But if you did want to add anything, like what would you, is there anything that you would tell your, your younger self just starting out any words of encouragement you would give to your younger self or anybody that is kind of in a struggle, whether they're starting out or not, if they've just found themselves in a point right now where they're in a struggle, anything that you would add? Help people if you can help them. You know, if you're able to help somebody, you help them, but don't be a sucker either. I'm big on being generous and helping people. But when it comes to business, there's a fine line between helping somebody in your personal life and helping somebody when it comes to business. And I see that this is a a line that people teeter on. I have been there and I still sometimes blur that line myself. But wanting to help somebody can interfere with business. And if you're a true business person and you value your business as a growing asset, then you'll respect those words for yourself. Because at the end of the day, if you ever wanted to sell your business or partner with somebody, you're going to need financial records and so forth that show the type of business decisions that you make. And if your business decision is that every alopecia client, you give free brows, there's nothing wrong with that. So long as you're not also giving free services to every model and every single person that has an areola tattoo and every staff member and every family member. And like you need to pick areas that you're going to be generous in and have firm policies surrounding that. And if you decide to have something outside of that, like in your personal life, just know the difference. So, so good. Because, and I'm going to ask Valerie her go-tos because, you know, my audience always likes to know what if you have a favorite machine, if you have a favorite needle, if you have a favorite procedure. So what, what are your go-tos? So for me, I'm big on my Misha Lumi machine. And I tend to do all my facial permanent makeup work with that. I also like my Microbio, my Microbo uh, Zion machine. And those are my main go-tos. I personally use a variety of different needles. I don't use one needle for every brow I do. I personally don't believe in that, but there's many reasons why. Pigments, I don't know that you want me to talk about that only because I am a distributor. I just became a distributor for a particular brand, so I don't know. You can say it. I mean, if you love it, say it. Um, So Ever After Pigments is something... First of all, Ever After Pigments is... I've used many different lines. It's literally been my straight go-to. I'm going to say solidly for the last year and a half. I was buying from another manufacturer and I still have tons of stuff that's not expired, but I just don't, I don't use them. Anyway, so the reason I like them is our brand standards here are vegan, organic, as much as we can and eco-friendly. They meet all of those brand standards, but the quality and the way that the pigment ages over time. And the coolest part is I actually know the founders, Liz Cook and Sean Brown. And fun fact, go back like 12, 13 years ago, way before Ever After even was a formulation. My business was located on the top floor of a tattoo shop. And down below, Sean Brown was the the manager at the shop beneath. And he since then moved to Texas. Oh, well, I'm sorry. He lived in Texas and he came out here 
to Pennsylvania like once a month and would stay at the shop for a couple of weeks. And he was their like offsite manager, but he did like, um, you know, some really great tattoos. Anyway, long story short, he and I have been friends for a long time. And when I saw him one day with Liz Cook at um, an SPCP conference and I was like, Sean, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, what? So I was, you know, given a bunch of pigments to try at the time. And long story short, I guess since this is a small audience, I can say this for you, but I'm actually helping to develop the scalp pigment formulation. So we actually have the raw materials here and we're actually testing those out. So there should be a new line that happens soon. How exciting. We had Liz Cook on two years ago in um, 2018. She was in Italy and joined us. She's on her vacation. She's just so giving. She's awesome. Such a great heart. So much fun. And of course, we've seen them at all the SPCB conferences. It's a great line. So that is so exciting. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. There is one other big surprise news that I will be dropping. And if I may, because this is literally my legacy and all the stress and stuff that you've seen and all the things over the years, I've We've needed a fundamental turnkey type of digital platform to create some standardization within the industry. And right now it is expected to launch the beginning of 2021. And get ready for this. I'm so excited. I can't wait. So it's a high quality, professionally filmed, professionally built platform for permanent makeup and scalp micropigmentation trainers, both, where you can literally, the program that's being built by the developer is going to be able to be completely customized with the trainer's brand and lessons. Like if you have a proprietary technique, not a problem, we can work it into the program. But this is all of the core foundations that you would need for scalp micropigmentation training and permanent makeup training. And it is developed so so that the trainer can do both online paired with. It is not to exclude in-person training, but more of a structured program to help the trainer to be able to offer the type of class that our industry really needs, but then fully branded for them. They can also use it as a supplemental program. So if you've been teaching classes that are only two or three days and now realize that you might need to up your program, it can be broken into a supplement as well. That is so, so exciting. I love exciting stuff. <laughs> I know. It's, it's actually, we're really excited, but it's so, it's a huge, it's huge. It's a big program. So it's, there's a lot of work that's gone into it, which is why I really hate when all of my time gets pulled <laughs> to do stupid little things like put out fires. And I'm, you know, it's just, you know, these things take time. But we're really excited and I am working with somebody else on it, but we're not going to really get to that just yet. So I'll be dropping a teaser today that kind of shows a little sneak peek of the visuals as to how the program is filmed. Where can they find that? Where can they find you and where can they find that? Well, right now we don't have anything available for them. Just letting people know that it's getting ready. The website is in the build stage. So unfortunately, there's nothing going to be there when you land on it. But it is PMUtrainingpros.com and you'll be able to find platforms there. There will be some, you know, trainer requirements and so forth. But you can basically buy into the program and begin teaching. Update your program and we'll brand it out for you completely. Yay, so so and it, one cool thing, not one class will be the same because it all you can actually buy certain lessons and modules and suppress others or add different ones in. So it'll literally be even if one person buys the SMP program and their competitor buys it, because they'll be branding it and suppressing and adding segments, it'll still be a completely unique class. So so like, fun. Yeah. But did you say your favorite needle? Did I get that? I heard the machine. I'm not going to tell you my favorite needle because the truth is I don't have one. Okay. <laughs> I don't right. believe in one needle, but I will tell Fair you enough. that the machines I gravitate towards the most, the machine I gravitate towards the most is the Misha Lumi device. It's my favorite. And okay. I carry it in my online store. Favorite procedure or technique? Ooh, I really love doing a good scar camo. That's honestly one of my favorite, one of my most rewarding things. So, so good. Any little tips or anything that you have with that? With scar camo? With scar camo specifically? Yes. I recommend that if you don't do scar camo, you, you know, I also have classes for this coming up soon, but scar camo is really cool. You know, there isn't one scar that's the same. I mean, you could have like 20 people with facelift scars and while the idea is the same, 
Scar isn't. So every single one is very different. But when you do scar camo treatments, you can really, you know, the tiniest little thing can really impact somebody's life. But for me, you know, I, I like to do the scar camos on a per session basis or per hour basis, opposed to brows or lips, we kind of charge like a flat rate. So that's one tip there is go hourly so that you don't kill yourself. Um, and then, you know, make sure you have good quality pigments. I do use Ever After for the scar camos. I tend to use single needles for scar camos, depending on the size. But uh, I do that with a special technique. I don't want to go crazy yeah. with that kind of stuff here. But I honestly just think it's the greatest thing ever. Yay, and I think, so you know, yeah, everybody, you like all your brow clients, your lip clients, your scalp clients, whoever it is, everybody's got a scar. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a scar to some degree, you know, and you could, you already built the relationship with them. So why not cover up a scar? You one know? of my favorite SPCP presentations was the one I did with Val Gloverhoven. Oh, you she's so cool. Called? I love her. <laughs> and, we, and we did a, it was the first time that we, SPCP ever did two speakers together and her and I did a scar camouflage. And that was in, I think that was in. PA. I wouldn't say that was actually was like a really great one. Absolutely. All right. If anybody had any questions that you just want Valerie to answer, she's been so gracious with her time and open book and she is a wealth of knowledge, but also you can contact her because she does fantastic training. And then if you are a trainer, you definitely want to check out and keep watch, um, keep a lookout for this exciting news that she has coming up. So you'll want to follow her. So my announcement, so many funny announcements is that we are doing a three day free live workshop Wow. It's going to be in our private group and it's really not fluff. It's going to be digging into what you need to do to get seen, to get clients, what is working now, because what worked even six months ago, pre-pandemic is not necessarily working now. Strategies you need to get out and get there, to get, get out and be seen, to get clients. And that's going to be a three-day workshop. It's for free. If you want to register for that workshop, because we're going to have bonuses, prizes, giveaways, all of that good stuff. You want to go to aprilmeese.com forward slash get clients with an S. Yeah. And so, and you did give your Instagram and all of those good places that they can find you. Do you want to just repeat that one more time for them? Well, yeah. So our business Instagram, which is mainly for our clients is just Dermographics. It's spelled D-E-R-M-A-G-R-A-F-I-X. But if you are interested in learning about training and professional products, you can go to Dermographics Training Center. So it's spelled just like Dermographics with the F-I-X and the Training Center, all one word. And you can follow there. Yay. That page is a little newer, so it doesn't have as much content. But as we're now getting ready to roll out all these things, there'll be a lot more things on there for the viewers. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And we will see you soon. Thank you, Valerie, for your time and all of these wisdom gems. So, so good. Bye, guys. Thanks, April. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.